mm, it's going to be too late then. So whatever gifts and talents you have, you better use it for his glory. If you ain't got no teeth and your gift is to smile, you better be smiling anyway. <laughs> smile to the glory of God. Hmm. So he's charging the audience, telling them that whatever God gives you, be your best. And if you be your best at it, he may just give you more. So as I leave and as I close, I will close with this short one. It's called Be the Best at Whatever You Are. But remember, pretend as if Dr. King is speaking directly to you. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Tonight's speaker will be sharing a beautiful, beautiful piece by Martin Luther King Jr. I want to share a little bit about who he is for a moment, just so you get a little bit of context about who David Anthony is. He is a friend of mine in a different way, too. I want to just make this note. He was a pastor at a church I was a pastor at in Laguna Niguel, so he's also even close to me in a unique way, so I feel kinship to him. But I want to just read a little bit about him to you. David Johnson is a minister, a public speaker, a vocalist, Dr. Martin Luther King, impressionist, a storyteller, an inventor, a songwriter, a youth motivator, and a former probation correction officer with youth. His ministry is called Five Talents More, and he uses these talents to inspire young people all over the nation, here, but also internationally. He's a graduate of Oakwood University with a bachelor's in church leadership. He is also um, an individual who has been demanded nationally and internationally and has spoken to in the audience of, I want, to, I want you to hear this, Miss Rosa Parks, Miss Maya Angelou, uh, Jonine Cochran, Martin Luther King III, and other celebrities, just to name a couple. David is an in-demand also in high schools, universities, and churches. He's spoken in our university church last month and we wanted to bring him to here to you this weekend. He's a family man who loves his family, but he's also a voracious reader of church history, sports enthusiast, and an incredible man of God. And tonight, you will be blessed. Happy Sabbath. Testing, yes. It is good to see each of you here this evening. I want to first thank the Lord for allowing us to be alive in the land of the living. And I want to thank uh, Pastor Philip for extending the hand of invitation, for allowing me to be here. It is indeed a joy to be here. When Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated as he was leaving the world, I was coming into the world. And I can remember 
growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, my great-grandmother, my mother and my aunt, helped to raise me. And my great-grandmother was born in 1902. 1902. She was about 67 years old when I was born. Um, yes, yes, thank you, Pastor Philip. Yes, that's wonderful. That is beautiful, beautiful. Let's clap it up. Let's clap it up. That is beautiful. That is beautiful, 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 beautiful. Well, my great-grandmother used to, before Dr. King passed away, when he passed away in 68, she bought a lot of his memorabilia, a lot of albums. And yes, in those days, it was albums. How many can remember the 78s and the 45s, the actual albums? I know we're dating myself. And there was the huge stereos. And so when we would come home from church, fourth generation Adventist, we'd come home, she would have the, the collard greens steaming and and the, not the cornbread, the cone bread, the cone bread. That's how you got to say it, cone bread. And she'd be preparing it and getting it ready. And she'd play her little Mahalia Jackson in the background. And she'd be just singing, you know, ooh, that's my song, that's my song. And I loved, and I'm going to have to change my language a little bit and talk, kind of talk like how she used to talk because she was from Tennessee. I love me some her, all right? I love me some her. And I would watch her. She, my mother and my aunt, helped to raise me. And my great-grandmother used to say, David, come here, baby. And she used to show me cuts in her hands from picking cotton. And she used to tell me, Pastor Philip, see that, that cut right there, baby? That was in, in 12, 1912. And she used to say, oh, we sure hated when those automobiles came out. We loved the horse and buggy, child. I had the greatest time growing up with horse and buggy. This is the woman that raised me, y'all. And she would play his albums after church. But I was afraid of his voice because it, it sounded like thundering and lightning because it would be actually thundering and lightning in St. Louis. And she would play it, and she would get on, she'd get... Get, go up to the, to the album, pull the album out of the sleeves, look at it, blow on it, put it on, get the arm, and then I knew that voice was coming, so I get right up close to her. She's sitting in the, in the, wheel, in, in the uh, rocking chair. I said, Mom, I love you. And I'd be about five years old because I knew that, that that sound was about to come. And then that, you know, and he'd speak, and then I'd be so scared of that voice. She said, what's wrong with you, boy? And I said, I'm scared of his voice, mama. She said, baby, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to learn his speeches. You see, there was three Moseses, you see. And I said, three? There was one who led the Israelites out of Egypt. There was one called Harriet Tubman that my father used to tell me about, and her father was a Tennessee slave, born in 1857. If you know your history, 1863, Lincoln freed the enslaved. So the first six, seven years of his life was an enslavement. This is the father of the woman that helped to raise me. Wasn't that long ago? And she would tell me stories he would tell her. So she said, if you love me, you're going to learn his speeches and let the world know how much this man loved everybody to death. And I'm going to share that with you. So because I loved her, I learned those speeches. 
I learned them word for word, and I learned many of them. I was, as I'm getting older now, I don't know as good as I used to, but bear with me. Dr. King in 1968, February the 4th, 1968, two months to the day of his assassination, two months. He was speaking at his home church, the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And he was preaching on the sermon, The Drum Major Instinct, how the drum major is always out in front of the parade and wants to be first. And so he was telling them that if we're going to be first, be first in love. Be first in helping one another. Be first in all of those things that are integral to the kingdom and, but as I was a student at Oakwood, and we went down to Atlanta, and I had a chance to, we were, I was supposed to meet Coretta Scott King, but we were late getting into Atlanta, so she had to fly out. So I started to talk to some of the ladies that attended the Ebenezer Baptist Church, some of the older ladies, and they told me about that day, February 4th, 1968. And they said, child, it was a beautiful day. It was a powerful sermon. He was, it, he was in rare form. But towards the end of his sermon, he started to talk about his own death. Now, fast forward, backwards. It was about 10 years after Dr. King's death. I was about 10 years old. And my great aunt said, David, I, I came over to her house with my, her brother, which was my grandfather. And she said, David? I got something for you. And I said, what is it? She said, go up in the attic and look up in the footlocker, open it up, and you'll see something there just for you. So I opened it up, and I saw an obituary. And it had Martin Luther King's face on it. And I took it downstairs. I said, here, auntie, what is this? She said, 10 years ago, I drove down to his funeral in Atlanta, Georgia. And this is his obituary from the funeral. Do you know David? He preached his own funeral. And I thought, oh, man. Oh, man, my, my great aunt's getting old now. You, you dead, you can't talk, let alone preach. But I couldn't tell her that because in those days, they go upside your head. In those days. And I had a lot of whoopings. So they called me David Whoopings Johnson. So I didn't want no more whoopings. So I just kept it to myself. So they said, so she said, well, if you think I'm crazy, prove me wrong next week when you come back over. Oh, I couldn't wait. I just knew she just forgot. She was messing up. She was getting old. And as soon as Monday came, I ran after school to the Julia Davis Branch Library. And I grabbed some books and an album. And I looked and read and I said, dun, dun, dun. He's right. He indeed preached his own funeral. You know how he did it. See, on February 4th, 1968, two months to the day of his assassination, he started to preach the drum major instinct. And at the end, he started to talk about his own death and what he wanted at his funeral. They recorded it. Two months and five days later, on April 9th, they played it at his funeral. Thus the term, he preached his own eulogy. 
and if you want to know how it went. That's why we chose the Bible verse, and thank you so very much for reading it. That's why we chose the Bible verse, because that verse, those verses best typifies who he really was. He was so much more than I have a dream. This is called the eulogy. Two months before he died, he knew death was crouching right over him. And this is how it went. He's preaching, drum major instinct, and now he switches in the, in the middle of the sermon. You know, I guess we all think realistically about that day when we will be victimized at what is life's final common denominator. And that's something we call death. Never now and then I think about my own death, my own funeral. But I don't think of it in a morbid sense. But every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I would once said? And I leave the word with you this morning. If any of you around when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. Every now and then I'd wondered what I'd want them to say. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. But I'd like somebody to mention that day Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. I'd like for somebody to say that I did try to feed the hungry. I'd like for somebody to say that day that I did try to be right on the war question. Like for somebody to say on that day that I did try in my life to clothe those who were naked. Like for somebody to say on that day that I did try to visit those who were in prison. Like for somebody to say on that day that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major. Say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. That I was a drum major for righteousness. And all of the other shallow things would not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. Won't have none of the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say if I can help somebody as I pass along. If I could cheer somebody with a word of song. If I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I could do my duty as a Christian Bring salvation to a world once wrought. If I could spread the message. 
as the master taught, then my living will not be in vain. 1966, Dr. King was, because of time, I wanted to do his last speech, but I will end with 1966, Dr. King is speaking to a group of young uh, black Americans. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he was charging them, letting them know that the doors of opportunity was about to be wide open. And the way that you seized and walked through those doors of opportunity was through education. And so as he's speaking to them, this is 2022. Pretend as if he's speaking directly to you. Even though the group was a group of young black students, as I say this speech, pretend as if he's speaking to you. Because you know God has given each and every one of us gifts and talents. And if we don't use them, come judgment day, he's going to call you up. And he's going to ask you, what did you do with those gifts and talents that he gave you? And you can't be saying, well, see, what happened was, see, I, I didn't have a, uh, but see, Lord, nobody wanted me to, uh, mm -mm, it's going to be too late then. So whatever gifts and talents you have, you better use it for his glory. If you ain't got no teeth and your gift is to smile, you better be smiling anyway. <laughs> smile to the glory of God. Hmm. So he's charging the audience, telling them that whatever God gives you, be your best. And if you be your best at it, he may just give you more. So as I leave and as I close, I will close with this short one. It's called Be the Best at Whatever You Are. But remember, pretend as if Dr. King is speaking directly to you. His daughter had asked as he's talking to the audience, she said, they were watching television, and she said, ooh, daddy, as a commercial came on, I want to go to Funtown. When can we go to Funtown? He said, baby, we can't go to Funtown because Negroes aren't allowed into Funtown. And she started to cry. And Dr. King said, well, wait a minute. I'm going to work so hard that even if it costs me my life, you and any of God's child, children will be able to go to Funtown or any town. So he told the audience, whatever God gives you, be your best. And it went like this. The greatest challenge that we face is to be ready to enter these doors when they open. Ralph Waldo Emerson said in a lecture back in 1871, if a man can write a better book, preach a better sermon, or make a better mousetrap than his neighbor, even as he builds his house in the woods, the world will make a beaten path to his door. And this will become increasingly true. That means we're going to have to work hard. We're going to have to learn to burn the midnight oil sometime. Take advantages of new opportunities. And we must not seek merely to do a good Negro job if you are setting out to be merely a good Negro doctor or a good Negro lawyer or a good Negro preacher or a good Negro teacher or a good Negro barber or a good Negro skilled laborer or a good Negro beautician. 
then you have already flunked your matriculation exam for entrance into the University of Integration. We must get ready. We must set out to do our life's work so well that nobody can do it better. We must set out to do a good job and to do that job so well that the living, the dead, or the unborn couldn't do it better. As I've said so often, if it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, go on out and sweep streets like Michelangelo carved marble, sweep streets like Raphael painted pictures, sweep streets like Beethoven composed music, and like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here live the world's best street sweeper who swept his job well. This is it. Oh, if you can't be a pine on the top of a hill, be a scrub in the valley, but be the best little scrub on the side of that reel. Can't be a tree, then be a bush. Can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. For it isn't by size that you win or you fail. Be the best at whatever you are. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. As I have less than two minutes, my great-grandmother used to tell me that the songs, the spirituals, were, had codes embedded in them. When you, and for the slaves, as they were trying to depart the plantation, and as the slave overseer was sitting on the horse watching them pick cotton, my great-grandmother would sing to me certain songs and tell me where's the code. If I sang the song, let us break bread together on our knees. Let us break bread together on our knees. When I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun, Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Where's the code in that song? Where's the code? Remember, they're picking cotton, and they're singing, and the overseer's just, ooh, they sound so good. Oh, they sound so good, not knowing that on the next day, they're going to be minus a couple because they were sending out codes in the song. Do you know what the code is in that song? When I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun. What time were they going to leave? Sunrise. Sunrise. In the morning. In the morning. Sunrise. There's so much more to that. Maybe some other time I will come, but thank you so much for your time. And be blessed and uh, happy Sabbath. Thank you once again. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. 
And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.